When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, one of the fastest growing movie podcasts in the world, where we discuss all things film. In this episode, we discuss Morbius. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Anthony here. And James here. And today we're going to be talking about Morbius, the latest Sony Pictures Universe of Marvel character movie. That's an actual thing that they're saying now. Sony Pictures Universe of Marvel characters. That's their new... That's the, that's what they call that's it? That's what they're calling their universe of, car- of characters. And I'm confused just thinking about it. So we just saw this last weekend uh, at the box office. It made $5.7 million on Thursday, $15 million on Friday. We're filming this on Sunday morning, Saturday morning, so we don't know what it did, but we're expecting a $40 million opening weekend. Currently on Rotten Tomatoes, Morbius is at 17%. Critic score, sixty-seven percent audience score, and on IMDb it is a four point nine. Seventeen percent has to be like the lowest modern large studio picture rating in like years since like maybe a Transformers movie. I think actually maybe even all the Transformers movies are higher than that because seventeen. It's hard to get seventeen. What was the Fantastic Four reboot? That had to have been really low too. That, I mean, those were were they ever that Silver Surfer is the worst, the poorly received one. Um, but seventeen percent. Like, it's rare to see any kind of movie get below 25, but 17 is, like, legendary area for historically bad movies. And ironically— Oh, Fantastic Four in 2015, 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, that one, the reboot. Yeah, that's what I said. Okay, I I don't know. I couldn't think of it. It's okay. You can't think sometimes. That movie was terrible. That was pretty bad. That was a bad one. It it has a lot in common with this movie, actually. It has the same tone and lack of life and just, like, morbid feeling to it. But I just think that— I was always making fun of this trailer when it came out, and because of its delay, it it was delayed. It was pushed back, I think, six months from its original release, its slot. So we had to watch this trailer in theaters for seven months, like longer than we were supposed to. So we kept every time we went to the movies, we'd see the Morbius trailer every single time for a long time. It was getting to the point where I was like, I can't keep watching this trailer. It's so trash. It seems like people are gonna go see it just to get it out of the way. That's what it feels like at this point. Like, I've been, I've seen the trailer seventy times, but let's get over it. So Morbius follows biochemist Michael Morbius, who tries to cure himself of a rare blood disease, but he inadvertently infects himself with a form of vampirism instead, which gives him superpowers. But in addition to those superpowers, he must feed on human blood in order to stay alive. Would you say that, because I'm not really sure if he is, do you think that Jared Leto is like a very likable actor? I mean, I think he's a very good actor. That's, yeah, so, but I think he's super talented. But in terms of likability, I'm not sure he has a high amount of that for the public. He doesn't pick a ton of likable roles, you know yeah. what I mean? But I like the, some of the roles he takes. Like, I think he's great in Fight Club. I think he's great in Requiem for a Dream. He's solid. I mean, he's great in Dallas Buyers Club, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, as the Joker, we got, like, kind of two versions of his Joker. I think his version in the Nightmare sequence was actually really good in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Was not feeling him in Suicide Squad as Joker, but, I mean, that's a whole another story in general. But I think that maybe 
he's not as likable as he is talented maybe do you think his public persona affects that because i i think that people a lot of people in the public they have like like less they, a lack of interest in him he's not lovable yeah you know what I mean? he's what not I a think, lovable yeah. actor but not every actor fits that suit he plays particular kinds of characters yeah. maybe that's what alerted him to being morbius a vampire superhero in addition to a fat paycheck but oh, yeah. i mean this movie's i was intrigued by it you know i was always interested in it because this is a character that we've never seen on screen before it's about a vampire anti-hero superhero he's a villain to superman he's a villain to blade an adversary in the comics interesting powers you know michael morbius is a scientist who's lived with this debilitating blood disorder they spent years trying to cure uh he's working with doctors in especially in the film dr martin bancroft to try to develop his cure he's trying to hypothesize that maybe mixing his dna with vampire bats could be the cure that he needs to regenerate and produce the natural anticoagulants that he needs to eradicate his disease. But then, you know, the thing with Morbius is from all the research I've done, he's supposed to be an anti-hero, like somewhat of a villain. And we know that Sony's been taking their anti-heroes like Venom and turning them into more heroic characters. I think Venom, Let There Be Carnage, I like that movie a lot. I like it better than Venom, but I think they, they did a good job walking that tightrope. Um, obviously, he's more hero than villain in that film like as well, but I think... My biggest problem with Morbius is he's too much hero, not enough anti-hero. It's kind of ambiguous what's going on with this character. But, I mean, we love movies. We we respect films so much. We don't want to just spend this whole episode bashing this this film. But there are a lot of issues in it. And you you got to call a spade when you see a spade, especially when we're dealing with Sony Pictures, Columbia Pictures. And this is the best they're going to put out for us. This is the best they're going to do. The biggest movie they're putting out this year is Morbius, and this is the best they can do. It's kind of sad, especially the studio that gave us Spider-Man 1 and 2. Before we continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost podcast, besides using our coupon codes, is to become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost podcast, where you get awesome perks like personalized videos, Patreon shoutouts on the show, weekly bonus episodes, and monthly watch parties, and also our $10 and $25 tier patrons have access to our Discord where we have our watch parties and group chat that we interact with every day. And also our $25 tier Godfather patrons get their own personalized Patreon episode that they get to pick and choose. We also launched our podcast masterclass online course last year for anyone who wants to improve their current podcast or start a podcast. Our 22 chapter 46 video lesson course will give you all the secrets behind the scenes of our show. The link is podcastmasterclass.teachable.com or just use the link on our website, raidersofthelostpodcast.com. It's right there on the homepage. Check out all of our sources of content there, our merch, custom movie posters. Follow, subscribe, wherever you're listening. Thanks for tuning into the show. Now let's get back into Morbius. And especially because there's so much potential, like you said, with the character. And it hits all, it checks all the boxes that we love in movies. I love vampire movies and I love dark movies. And this is a movie that's, it was supposed to be a dark comic book movie about a vampire. But it neither felt like a comic book movie, it didn't feel like a vampire movie, and it was in no way scary in any capacity whatsoever, even though they tried their hardest to be scary. Actually, they didn't try their hardest, they didn't like it. They tried to be scary for sure, but it just, none of it landed, and it just felt like this weird blend of a movie that, like, had so much ability to be something really cool and exciting, but it just fell so flat, and it all comes down to the story Story is everything for a movie. It doesn't matter how cool the visuals are. It doesn't matter how good your DP is or how great the music is. If you're, if the story, the script, and the dialogue isn't good, then your movie's never going to work. And the, the biggest weakness to the film 
is its screenplay, the story, the the writing is what really was the the stake in the chest of this film. Wow, great metaphor. And Thanks. the characters. Yeah. I, I found really that comes to the none writing. of the characters yeah. very likable, but I don't know if it's like studio oversight because if anyone saw Uncharted and you also saw Morbius, they have pretty much the same story structure, especially in the first act, which is, I guess, what Sony's planning to do with a lot of their movies now. So the way that their story structure has been operating between Uncharted and Morbius, Spider-Man doesn't count because that's Spider-Man with, with Marvels involved. Uh, Sony's current, current story structure for the last two big releases with Uncharted and Morbius, for me, it's been ineffective. They open with an exciting high momentum high momentous scene which feels like it should be in the middle of the movie and uncharted they open with the first like half of him hanging from the plane and they cut and with morbius we open up with him just going to get the vampire in the cave with the vampire vampires get the, get the vampire bats and then it cuts in both opening sequences after they're done they cut to flashbacks of our lead characters in the flashback role of like giving us just forcing exposition like so far down our throats that we don't, right we don't want face. any more of yeah. it and it's just too it's just kind of lame and just it's too easy and I guarantee it seems so obvious that it had to have been studio oversight for both screenplays to follow that same mapping and then they both end with when the finale of the film he's the the final version of himself exactly like because you said because I didn't see Uncharted but you said that he had the by the, finally by the end of the him. movie, he became like the guns and the, the holsters and the holsters. And same thing with Morbius. It's not until like the last 10 minutes of the movie that he, he becomes what is eventually like the official look of Morbius. Because he finally drinks the red. Yeah, exactly. Well, he's always been drinking the red, but not from a person since it was. It's like his, his final transformation into the idea of Morbius, okay, I suppose. Yeah. But either way, this movie could have been great. It has good moments. There are good things about it that we'll talk about for sure. But in overall, it was just kind of – it was pretty much dropping the ball in general. One of the most disappointing ways I can describe how, how I felt about Morbius is my favorite part of the movie was the opening title credits. Same. It was very creative, well done, I, and it had cool music. It, it did have a good score. And the opening credits were just really terrific. And I, whoever designed them, they did a great job. Like some of the best credits I've seen in the last year or so. And then the movie starts and it's like, oh, if the movie had the tone of the credits that they built with that creatively, that could have been something cool. Now, is Morbius a bad movie? What I'll say is it's just a movie that I felt nothing watching. I literally felt nothing besides, you know, being annoyed here and there. But I was just going in just expecting that. But really, I, I didn't laugh. I felt fear kind of once, the scene where he self-quarantines and then Milo comes to check on him and finds himself turn, him turning to part vampire. I got a little scared at that moment. But besides that, like Anthony said, it's a vampire movie. It's supposed to be a, a horror kind of film, but there's no moments of fear of fear or dread at all. And you can create horror in PG-13. You know, it's totally possible. Plenty of filmmakers are able to do it. So it's not like they have to, like, keep it from being bloody or gory. You can, there's other ways to craft the, the genre of horror. And you could tell right off the bat, you could tell there was a lot de deleted. There were a lot of deleted scenes. It feels like there's, like, a, a hard PG-13 cut out there, and they yeah. just took so much out because it's like a shell of a movie at times. Because there's there's an opening sequence after the bat sequence where uh, Michael is accepting the Nobel Prize for creating the artificial blood. And he they literally announce his name, and he stands up on stage, and then it cuts to him in the hospital working. 
And he's talking to his patient. She's like, I can't believe you rejected the Nobel Prize. And I was like, wait, what happened? And apparently, so in the in his, he, the speech he was giving as an acceptance speech, he rejects the award um, from the Nobel, Nobel um, Prize uh, officials. And because he's like, this isn't what science or what I'm doing. It's not that this doesn't matter to me. It's saving lives matters to me. And we never saw that. It's just like this little girl's like, I can't, who does that is what she says. And he's like, oh, I don't I don't care about that stuff. And I'm like, why didn't we see that? Why'd you that's, go? Why'd you even go? That's a great character trait that could have, you know, helped reinforce who this guy is to our audience. But instead, everything's just spoon fed to us dialogue wise, exposition wise. And you could tell, especially with this flashback sequence, because after, after the opening sequence like you said we flash back to when he's a kid and, and he meets uh milo who's lucian who ends up growing uh and he, he ends up being played by matt smith later in the film but these two uh sick kids and it's like it's the conversations we've heard a thousand times like once they started talking i was rolling my eyes like here we go again with the flashback and one's kind of a bully and then he takes him under his wing and they and they chopped it up it was like four scenes that they chopped up in two minutes and you could tell it was like scene, 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 and, and there's flashing back and forth between scenes, and just that flashback was, you could tell, was just chopped horribly. Yeah, now, I, I we love to stay positive about film. Yeah. You know, we always want to respect film. That being said, like, it's Sony Pictures, you know, this is a huge studio, and, you know, we, we hold studios like this to, like, a high, a high expectation. High standard. Setting a high bar. Yeah. Standard of film. This is one of their even big if, movies. Even though it's a superhero movie, like yeah. I said, it's their biggest release of the year. It had so much potential. But so many things about it really upset me, especially the trailer, Bait and Switch. Not just with Michael Keaton, where Michael Keaton's in the trailer like twice. And he has scenes and dialogue that aren't at all in the movie. And then he ends up just being in the post credit scenes. He's in the two post credit scenes. That's all he's in. But in the tra- in the trailer, he's in multiple dialogue. He has dialogue with Michael Morbius in the trailer. And not to mention there's a shot in the trailer where Morbius in his jail uni- outfit where he probably just escaped prison, he's running down an, an alleyway and there's a poster of Spider-Man on the wall that says villain on it. So it's and then that's not in the tr- in the movie at all. It's, so it's like they really just misleaded people because it seems like all they cared about was just people going to see this movie just to set up future movies and just make a quick buck. That's what's so strange about this all because, <clears throat> excuse me, Marvel, even if you aren't a huge fan of Marvel, you cannot deny that they put a lot of passion into their films and they really do care about their characters. 100%. And that's why they work because the characters are what makes Marvel go. And you can tell the people making them put a lot of effort and consideration into crafting stories for these characters. Even if you like DC better, you can't help but deny that. And so I don't understand. And they've laid the groundwork. They laid the groundwork for how to make a a solid superhero movie. You don't have to make the best movie in the world, but it's out there. We've seen like 60 good superhero movies in the last two decades. There's a lot of them. You can just, you know, copy and paste if you want. But I don't, so I don't understand why so little effort was put into crafting a really good story. Why it didn't? Why it seemed like they were more focused on just hitting beats for a trailer than they were of crafting a movie that people would enjoy. And I, I highly doubt that many people will even like this movie, even if they're fans of Morbius the character. They might be extremely disappointed. So I'm just, it's confusing to to see all this money that they would put into a film, and they wouldn't really put in the effort to make sure it was a, a solid script and a solid story. Like they just like. It's like carbon copy factory production, and no heart or soul was put into the film. And I mean, we recent Sony superhero films outside of far, of uh, No Way Home. You know, we have Venom, Let There Be Carnage, Venom, 
And now Venom has a bad score, Rotten Tomatoes, but a great audience score. Same thing with Let There Be Carnage. I actually like Let There Be Carnage a lot. Similar style, obviously, with the Sony Pictures filmmaking, but I think they just pulled it off a lot better. So much, much better storyline. And I know people have issues with that. Venom was pretty good, but I think Venom was also, it could have been a lot better, but it's not as bad as Morbius. And now, if it's cool with you, I want to run through just a quick synopsis of Morbius. Just get the plot out there. So in case people didn't even really see the movie, just so we can explain it and they're listening in right now. Yeah, because we, we really recommend, I mean, there are a lot of good movies out right now. And Morbius isn't one of them. So if you're going to spend your money in the theater, we highly recommend you check something out like Everything Everywhere All at Once. That's a really awesome movie. And Sonic 2 really Sonic cleansed 2. my palate. So if you're going to go to the movies this weekend, see one of those two movies and, and pass on Morbius. Wait for it for streaming if you're going to watch it. So uh, that's just our recommendation. As many of you know, Anthony and I both wear glasses. We're a couple of Four Eyes kids. And we're currently wearing our brand new Felix Grey blue light cancellation glasses which are not only the best quality you can get on the market but also the most stylish check this kid out <laughs> i love these glasses so blue light affects all of us in different ways and we are constantly being exposed to this blue light it's very bad for your eyes for me it makes my eyes extremely dry and also ha makes me wake up multiple times in the night now i've been wearing these glasses for almost a week now and i can absolutely say I'm getting more tired at night, and my eyes feel great all day long. I am so happy I have these brand new blue light glasses. You can check out Felix Gray's entire line with our special link, felixgrayglasses.com slash raiders. That's felixgrayglasses.com slash raiders. Now, if you see, James has the amber tint on his glasses. Yeah, so I opted for Kepler amber tint because I want even more blue light cancellation because I'm constantly on screens. But you can also get the clear glasses. So I have the Cole clear lenses, and they also have non-prescription lenses. So even if you don't need glasses, you can still get some Felix Grey glasses for your needs when you're using too much blue light during the day. That's a great point. So you yeah. can get non-prescription, prescription, or reading glasses in your pair of Felix Grey glasses. I've had them for two weeks now. Mine came before Anthony's, and I've noticed I'm definitely getting more tired at night. My number one reason for getting them was to sleep better, and I think it's 100% working. Get your Felix Grey glasses with our special link, felixgrayglasses.com slash raiders. That's Felix Grey, G-R-A-Y, glasses.com slash raiders. So go ahead and uh, tell, the, tell the audience the, uh, the entire synopsis. So I'm just going to spitball something real quick. So Let's Morbius follows Dr. Michael Morbius, who in the opening of the film goes to this cave of bats, the vampire bats, to trap some and bring them back to experimentally work on them to try to fix his blood disease. Then we flash back to he's in a children's hospital, a special hospital for these very sick children, where he meets his buddy Milo, who's a new admittance at this hospital. They both suffer from the same disease. And they're both very smart, but Doctor, but Michael is just exceptionally bright, very intelligent kid. Tell them how smart he is. He's he's <laughs> replaces a fuse on the back of his of Milo's machine that was giving him new blood with a ballpoint pencil. That's not I don't, that's that's fine with yeah. me. I like that's clever, but I think they could have done it better. But I mean, technically, that's how you, that would be the same. I guess the same thing as re replacing a fuse. Anyways, then he, he he promises to Milo that he'll find a cure. Cut forward to Michael Morbius is a renowned doctor. He's an expert in his field. He's get, he rejects the Nobel Peace Prize. He's created this artificial blood, which is such a cool concept. I wish there was more paid attention to this concept of the artificial blood that is being used in hospitals and on battlefields all around the world to help save human lives. Really cool part of the film I think, I think they could have devoted more time to. Now, 
Milo is also the same age as is around the same age as Michael now. Uh, he's incredibly successful, although we never find out where Michael, I mean, Milo got this immense wealth. And we're talking like crazy wealth. He has an entire skyscraper for Morbius to do all of his R&D never and research. Never explained how he came into his wealth. He just has this like swanky apartment that he's always just sitting in with his, with his thug. So like Milo's character had so much potential too. But they're both waiting on Michael to figure out a cure, and Michael brought those bats back. He also back. funds Michael's research. Yeah, so he funds Michael's research. Michael brought those bats back, and he's running tests, and he eventually is going to do human trials after fusing bat DNA with human DNA on himself using Martine, his his uh, second-in-command doctor at uh, Haven. Is that the name of the lab, something like that? Hayworth? Haven? Haven? Haven. I think yeah, it's Haven. Haven. So they go on this um, big cargo ship, in international waters to run this t- experimental test because it's illegal. It works, but it does turn in- him into a vampire supervillain, like superpowered hero, vampire, whatever you want to call it. A monster. That must drink blood to survive. Kills all the guys on the boat, which we'll get into in a second. <laughs> and then Morbius brings, the- and then Michael escapes the boat, brings the cure that he created back, or a serum, you would want to call it, because it's actually a curse, he calls it. Milo finds out about it, takes himself. They both become super vampire monsters, duke it out in the city, basically, and that's that's the movie. Yeah. They and, they have a couple of fights and and while Michael's trying to find a way of stopping him, they the couple, they both do things and then they have a final confrontation. Now let's run that's, through the characters yeah. real quick. We've talked about Michael Morbius enough, but let's get into Milo real quick, played by Matt Smith, who is now the second Doctor Who to appear in a bad Marvel character film. The first was David Eccleston in, Dar- in Thor 2, The Dark World. That's true. <laughs> he plays the Dark Elf. The, what's his name? The Dark Elf. So hopefully David Tennant doesn't touch a Marvel project. <laughs> then we have um, Martine Bancroft. is played by Adria Arjona, Arjona, who is... She's a good actor. She's yeah. very solid in this movie. Just the character is really not Terribly that written. interesting. Terribly written. And Milo could have been written so much better. You know, Milo like, Milo, like I said, is Michael's childhood friend from that hospital. And he funds his research. Again, we have no idea how he came into this. these billions of dollars, you can assume he has. And his character just kind of takes a 180 once he takes the serum. I guess you could say that's out of desperation. Maybe a narcissistic personality would do that. So I don't have, I'm not totally against that. But I just I wanted more background on Milo, on what he did. Yeah, and then we have Dr. Nichols, played by the great Jared Harris, who is just there to collect a paycheck, it seems like. There's really no need for him to be in this movie at all. He ends up being um, Milo's caretaker uh, as, a, as an adult. So I think he's just here, there. They needed a famous actor there. And also with Martine... Her character, all she's there is for forced exposition, forced emotional connection with Michael Morbius, and then also a damsel in distress by the yeah. end of the film. It's pretty pretty sad what they ended up doing with her. Then we have Tyrese Gibson and Al Madrigal, who play these two agents. <laughs> what do these guys do in this movie? All they do is wake wise cr- wisecracks First the whole of all, time. What agency are they with? I have no idea. Didn't see a badge. They control the police department, apparently. They're at every crime scene. Every within crime a scene, even if it has nothing to do with Morbius, they're, they're, just, they're just there at a crime scene. Yeah. Um, Tyrese's character, I'm assuming there's a lot cut because he plays Agent Simon Stroud. He's like this tough guy who was, uh, I think he said he's in the Marines or something, and Michael Morbius's artificial blood saved his life, and he's got this kind of like robotic arm, or his, his blood saved his arm, he yeah, said. Yeah. And he's like, what, is, what does this arm do? You never see. I can only assume Not they important. shot stuff and yeah. they cut it. 
Because what is the point of this arm? It's got a scar on his neck, and it's like, we don't even know who he is. And then Agent Rodriguez, he's just like a bumbling, sarcastic guy. So it's like tough guy, sarcastic cop the whole time. And they literally do nothing this entire movie. And then next, and then finally... Oh, wait, hold oh. on. And also, how? For, I have two questions on these on these doctors. Why isn't anyone freaking out that Dr. Michael Morbius can turn into a vampire and fly around? Nobody like cares. They, no one's even like, oh, whatever, it's just a guy. He's, they tur- make, they, he's they, flying! They make vampire jokes. Throughout the film, like, you know what these bloodsuckers are like. It's like, what are you guys talking about? There's a guy flying around like a vampire. And also, when they arrest Morbius, he's on the first floor of a building. Then he flies up, like, ten stories up through stairwells to get to the roof. And he's about to jump off. But then he turns around and Tyrese is holding gun to his face. Like, how the hell did he get up ten stories in 20 seconds? Morbius had to fly to do it. How did this human being get to the roof in 20 seconds? It made no sense. When that happened, I was like, come on. That, what is Come going on? on? There's so much like, things like that yeah. that are that makes no sense that they just don't even care about explaining or showing. And then finally, the final cast member is Michael Keaton. Now, again, he is not in the movie at all. He is only in the post credit scenes. He is not at all in the run of the film. So don't expect to have him have. Don't expect him to have any kind of bearing or impact on this plot. And so the trailer was misleading because it showed. One shot of Matt Smith in the trailer for like half a second. He's the he's the villain of the movie. Yeah, and so you don't even see him in the trailer. So they wanted to make it seem like Adrian Toomes might be the villain with Vulture being heavily involved. But again, Adrian Toomes, aka Vulture, is only in the post credit sequences. And Matt Smith, who like I'm I'm every time I watch the trailers, I'm like, is Matt Smith? A, he has to be a major character. He's, he's be, a yeah. great actor. Yeah. And he's, there's a reason why he's in this movie. And like the first trailer, there was a two second shot of him. I'm like, why is like what, this Matt Smith's character? And this they ruined him in this movie because we love him. And he 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 does have fun with the movie. He has some. He's a great actor. He carries it. though. Yeah, he does carry his scenes. He's the only one besides the actress who played Martine, like actually putting forth a real effort. And there's a shot of when he when him and Morbius are fighting because he ends up taking the ceremony and he becomes a vampire as well. Where there's this slow motion shot of him running towards Michael in the subway station. And now this is when Michael simultaneously is figuring out that he has he could probably fly in front of the train using these sound waves. And so there's like a super cut of slow motion, like 10 cuts back and forth between them. And then Matt Smith's character, Milo, he's running, but he's got his vampire face. And the vampire face is... They look bad. It looks like crappy CGI, especially Matt Smith's CGI face. And so you have this weird-looking CGI of Matt Smith with fangs running in slow motion for a minute on film on a big screen. And we were laughing. We were like, I can't believe this is happening. It's it's not necessarily so much that it looks bad. The faces, I think they were okay with what they did with the transformation. So, so let's get into the powers and visual effects and stuff like that. So I think the... In general, I like the visual effects of this movie. I like the showcase of the powers in terms of, like, the misty fog and smoke when they're, like, vampires doing the powers, like, when he's flying. I think it's pretty cool. However, the constant switching back and forth from human to vampire, it's like they only, when they're going to use the powers, they immediately, like, transform into the vampire face and hands, and it's constant back and forth. And I get they want to have their hero's face, their human face in the film as much as possible, but it's just constant back and forth. And also, the powers are cool to an extent. You know, Morbius 
in the comics, he's not a typical vampire, you know, garlic, holy water, crosses, they don't do anything to him. But in the comics, sunlight does make him weak, doesn't kill him, just makes him weak. I wish there was some more of that because he has all the cool stuff about a vampire without none the, of the flaws. Without, yeah, none it's of the flaws. It's a curse. That's what no the curse, weaknesses yeah. at all. But again, I think they did a good job showing the powers and stuff like that, except for like when they're constantly like transitioning between vampire human and vampire human during these fights, it's like all over the place. And then they'll be like doing vampire moves, like flying around super fast. And then they're running like slow, unathletic <laughs> actors. And it's just like, that looks kind of bad. Yeah, it's really, they're, really they're, all over the place. I was like, they're, they're running really slow. And then they're a second later, they're vampires flying. But so I, I, I mean, the powers were cool, but I didn't like how undefined they were. So for that's ex- what I mean. Yeah. For example, uh, they can hear incredibly well. And they can hear someone's voice from like across the city, but it doesn't. We're not. We're never explained how they can hear a specific voice. He can just like. There's a part in the end of the film at the at the climax. Um, Milo um, gets Michael to to go to him by taking Martine hostage, and he's like, "Cry for Michael, cry for Michael." And it's like, and then Michael immediately hears her, hears them, and he's just they're across New York City, across the city, and somehow. The first thing he hears is their voices. And it's like, how is that possible? I, mean, I understand he has good hearing, but no one's explaining why he can hear Martine's voice across the entire city. Her specifically. He didn't have to, like, shuffle through all the voices of the city. That's the problem with, yeah. with that I have he with didn't, it. He didn't have to, like, listen to, like, neighborhoods to try and find, track down her voice. It was immediately he heard her voice. The thing is, so when he's trying to figure out what, he, what powers he has, he does like the sonar signal in his office, and that's cool. That's interesting. And he catches the ball with his eyes closed, so he's learning how to use his bat sonar, his bat radar, which is interesting. But like you're talking about, he can now specifically hear just their voices in New York City. Makes no sense. How is he not hearing nine million voices right now? Yeah. And they're all the way across town. It doesn't make any sense why he can only specific why he can specifically pinpoint just their voice. It's just made no sense to me. It's very dark night when he's listening for Harvey Dent. Ah, uh, Harvey Dent, you'll find him there. <laughs> like that's what that reminded me of. Also, they ripped off Batman Begins with the bat shot. Oh, yeah. When he stands up with the bats, like such a, yeah. that is such a Batman, Batman Begins. begins. I was like, come on, guys. I saw a video on Twitter where someone took that shot of him slowly rising with the bat swirling around. Around him, and they use Hans Zimmer's score for that. It's like, wow, what a ripoff! Yeah. So that the sonar hearing thing, the sonar is cool, but they turned it into supersonic hearing instead. Exactly. Which isn't really bats don't have super hearing. It's it's the sonar yeah. element of it. They can't hear whatever they want across the city. That's not how their powers work. They're their using abilities. it as radar. Yeah, as radar. So, so that made no sense. How he doesn't hear every voice in the city. Yeah, and also their strength was poorly defined as well because. Uh, by the end of the film, when they have their final battle, which is just like a mess of like dark locations, you can't really tell what's going on. Also, like the design of these sets, like you have all this money, you could do a cool set, and they're just like underground in some place with equipment. It doesn't mean I don't even know where we are. But the way they get there is they crash through the street of New York and crash through into the crash through the tunnels into like the underground tunnels of of New York City through layers of concrete and earth and stone and rock. Burst through it, no problem. So I was like, how is that possible? Because it's like, are they Kryptonians? It makes no sense because the way they that happened is they just they were falling from a, from a skyscraper. And the amount of force, even if you were Superman, you would have to fall at such a speed to be able to break the concrete. It's just completely ridiculous that they broke through like like layers of stone and concrete and, and stuff and like and then but before that, in the opening of in the opening sequence, he could barely break through a glass wall. 
So the, it made no sense. Like, how strong are they? Are, are they strong enough? Well, where they they get stronger when they're drinking human blood. Yeah, but like, come on, that much stronger? Well, well, because well, he had he did drink human blood in the ship before he broke through the glass. He drank that guy's blood fresh out the fresh out the oven, right out of the neck. It's true. And he couldn't even break through a glass wall. Oh, and he that, did. It, it took him five tries. He's just he's a baby. But, he's but a baby then, vampire. But then they fall down and they break through the the friggin' ground. It's it's a, I couldn't tell how strong they were, what what their abilities exactly were. Yeah. Well, we'll get more to it in a sec. Let's head on into our intermission though, and then we'll get into <sighs> Morbius Part Two because Anthony's sweating. I can see the beads rolling down his forehead right now. You need to calm down, pal. Calm down. I got so excited. Now, Raiders of the Lost Podcast is brought to you by our very good friends at Manscaped, the leaders in men's grooming, who are turning your shower routine into your new favorite part of the day with their new ultra premium collection. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout from Manscaped.com to get twenty percent off and free shipping worldwide. This collection is an all-in-one hygiene skin and hair bundle. It comes with deodorant, body wash, two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, hydrating body spray, and a free set of Manscaped lip balm. You can also check out their Lawnmower 4.0 Groomer from Manscaped. It will be the best clippers you've ever used on your family jewels in your entire life so i recommend getting to manscaped.com use our coupon code raiders of the lost at checkout you'll get 20 percent off and free shipping worldwide for all you fans of movie posters there is no better place to get your posters online than at movieposters.com use our very special promo code raiders 10 to get 10% off your order. They have a gigantic selection of pretty much every movie and TV show imaginable, everything from your favorite Marvel film to a classic film. They got it, as well as all sorts of sizes, framing, and even backlighting for your poster needs. We also just did a movie poster giveaway contest, which we announced today. So to whoever won, congratulations. I'm sure they picked out a great poster. We do these movie poster giveaways with movieposters.com twice a month. They are an amazing sponsor of our show, and we really appreciate when you use our coupon code when you buy their posters. So again, head on over to movieposters.com and use our promo code Raiders10 for 10% off. Now let's get into our intermission, starting with our movie quotes competition. I shall go first. You shall. There are no two words in the English language more harmful than good job. Good quote. Um... Hmm. I don't know. I'm stumped. Whiplash. Oh, Fletcher. Fletcher says it to him. Fletcher. Okay, here's mine. It's two characters. My teacher tells me beauty is on the inside. That's just something ugly people say. (laughs) (laughs) Say it again. My teacher tells me beauty is on the inside. That's just something ugly people say. (laughs) Oh, man. Is it Mean Girls? Incorrect. Uh, oh, sounds so familiar. I don't know. The pen is blue. Oh, liar, liar. Yep. Ironically, his name's Fletcher as well. You're right. We both did Fletcher characters. Pretty weird. Guess this movie release year. Requiem for a Dream. 2001. 2000. Uh. Okay, guess this movie release year. One Spittin', the Jim Carrey vampire movie. I went Jim Carrey in honor of seeing him today in person. Once Bitten. I'm going to go 19, no, 1987. 85. <sighs> Very close. Damn. Good guess. Movie pop quiz time. Name Jared Leto's band. 30 Seconds to, to Mars. Correct, though. 
I used to listen to them all the time in middle school. All he does is go, ah, ah. <laughs> Every song he's just screaming. <laughs> he's a good singer. He's a good singer, yeah. yeah. Okay, here's my uh, <clears throat> quiz question. Who played Jim Carrey's love interest in Yes Man? Oh, man. Oh, uh, Zoe Deschanel. Correct. Nice. Ding, 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 it's a funny movie. All right, uh, who we got for haters this week? Any, we got a any couple unsubscribes? We got a couple unsubscribes. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Who we got? <clears throat> Preston Gear. Hey, Arnold takes place in Washington. I swore that was in New York. You ruined my childhood memories again. Unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Dylan Douglas, 1669, wrote, in your episode on part two, uh, of Godfather. You didn't know Michael's daughter had a name, but it's clearly Mary unsubscribed. <laughs> Got me there. Did you not say Mary? I was like, you don't even know what her name is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got me. And then our Godfather patron shout out for today is our good friend, Calvin Cam. Calvin. Excellent fan of the show. Super cool guy. Calvin. You became a Godfather patron uh, and you hang out in the Discord all the time. You acted like a man. <laughs> <laughs> and his uh his choice for his special bonus episode is signs. Oh, great. For pick. He actually, like us, saw it in theaters when he was a kid and blew him away. Just like we were we thought that was the coolest yeah, movie. Jamie took us to see that. Yeah. Shout out to Jamie. So excellent cool pick. Guy. We can't wait to review signs for you, Calvin. I have a great review from Belka D, unsubscribing. <laughs> the fact that not another teen movie was not mentioned oh, among best no! comedies or best high school comedies is just criminal. I know we missed so many. I movies. can't believe we missed that. We also, That's mi- my we fault. also missed Starsky and Hutch. Do it. How did we not put that on the list? Do it was it. man. We missed a bunch. It is incredibly funny. It's Chris Evans before Captain America, and it's so tropical, idiotic, just amazing. Also, how is Swiss Army Man not one of the best dark comedies? Oh, oh man, man. On the serious note, love you guys. Great job breaking down movies and reminding us that it's an art form first and foremost. Keep it up. Thanks so much. I Thank know you. we. I not another team movie is one of my favorite. I know. Comedies. I can't believe I can't believe, I that. That. I can't believe you forgot Star Scene Hush. I love it. Was, Star it's a hard Hush. list to make. It was a hard list to make. We just ran out. Of, we just uh, couldn't think of them. You know, it's my sorry, fault. Sorry. it's my fault. It's Anthony's fault. It's my on fault. all accounts, I take account. I take responsibility. Anthony takes responsibility <laughs> for fucking everything up. <laughs> sorry for the f bomb, kids. On this day in film history, today is April seventh, nineteen seventy six. Bad News Bears is released. 1989, Major League is released. 1993, The Sandlot is released. That's three baseball movies in a row. That's Damn. so weird. 1995, Bad Boys was released. And Will Smith has been a bad boy this past <laughs> week. <laughs> Happy birthday to Francis Ford Coppola, Jackie Chan, and Maximus Decimus Marius himself. Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. What's up, Russ? My streaming recommendation is Sherlock Holmes and Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows are now on Netflix. Oh, they got them. As of April. I heard it last night. I heard you had it on. I have, and for my streaming recommendation, 13 Assassins, which is an amazing samurai movie. It's a modern one, too. Uh, it's available on Amazon Prime. I highly recommend. Now, let's head back into Anthony's favorite movie, Morbius. I am a doctor. All right. Um... <laughs> I don't want to be too mean, but like, hey, it's okay. Yeah, I know. This is all it's just like, too bad. everyone knows how bad it is. Again, strengths I would say visual effects and the powers and stuff like that, and everything else. Like the pacing of this movie, I have a huge issue with as well. It's just so fast, and the script leads no interesting characters for us. The dialogue is just like Terrible. very unfunny. Yeah, a lot of lame, unfunny jokes alluding to pop culture references that just did not hit. 
And this movie, I, I don't want to be a jerk, but it was very boring. You know, I went up to go to the bathroom halfway through. You went, and you went before the movie started too. Yeah, well, I, so I, you were like I had, so had a couple bored. Cu- I had a couple cups. You were of like, I gotta, I gotta go. I, had I think couple. you just needed a break from it. I walked past three people who were sleeping in their seats, and that <laughs> those are like the only other three people in the theater. It was almost empty theater. We went in the afternoon. It was a matinee, so it was like at eleven. Yeah, it was like noon, so I'll give them that. But there yeah. were three people asleep. There were two guys I had to ask. I had to wake up so I could get by them because their legs <laughs> were up on the chairs. They were both knocked out, <laughs> knocked out. I'm like, why'd you come? You know what else was a bad sign? Because I heard multiple times the people were sitting around us behind us. Multiple times they were like, "What the fuck?" Like, <laughs> we were what? saying that too because we were like, "What the hell?" Like, come on, we could going on with the story. Help. The way people were reacting to the theater, we were absolutely not the only ones feeling terribly about seeing this movie. And it's just like, it didn't seem like anyone enjoyed it while they were there. My biggest question though is like, what is Sony's plan? Like, what is their plan with Morbius? What is their plan with Spider-Man? Like, wh- what's the idea? Is there, are they trying to make the Sinister Six? And now with the post credit scenes, it's Vulture appearing inside that prison cell. And then he's like, oh, I hope they got better food here. And then and then he's a Beetlejuice yeah. impression. <laughs> that was pretty good Beetlejuice. <laughs> and then um, the other one was uh, <laughs> he like just Morbius just like drives a car into the middle of nowhere. And Vulture shows up. He's like, hey, man. Hey, Doc. Thanks for meeting me. No, hey, man. Thanks for meeting me, Doc. <laughs> and um, he's like. He's like, I, uh, I don't know why I'm here. I think it has something to do with with Spider-Man. And uh, um, <laughs> I think, like, we should, like, team up and, like, get a crew together. Like, guys like us should stick together. Then Morbius is like, uh, that sounds intriguing. And also, Vulture has his suit. How the hell does Vulture have his suit? How does he have a suit? He gets the suit <laughs> in the MCU when, uh, from the New York catastrophe. From the alien from technology. From the alien technology. And then he's only transported into this universe in a jumpsuit from prison. Where the f- did he get the suit? Where's the suit it, coming from? It's not from? like he's Tony Stark. He did not bring the suit with him when he got transferred to this universe. <laughs> what the hell is going on? <laughs> what? The, so the plan is absolutely the Sinister Six because Jared Leto, when he went to the premiere of No Way Home, he was wearing a necklace um, and the letter six hung from it. So that was him alluding to the Sinister Six. So that's their plan, to make Sinister Six to fight against Tom Holland's Peter Parker. And I'm sure Peter Parker will enlist the help of other Spider-Mans. Huh. Spider-Man and I just I want them to just do solo Tom Holland without, like, a di- big team-up thing. Like, nah, just man. give me a solo Tom Holland with, like, Time one or two change, villains. man. People want the team-up. Multiverse. Mm-hmm. Multiverse is the new thing, man. We j- I just saw a movie that's about the multiverse, and it's not even a comic book movie. Another huge problem I have with this movie is Morbius specifically. You know, we know Jared Leto's a great actor, but he just didn't seem to, like— really try that hard in this role. I don't want to sound like a jerk, but that's what it felt like to me. He just, it was kind of a subdued performance. You know what I mean? From what we expect. It works for when he's in this weakened state in the opening of the film Mm -hmm. as a weak, sick man. That, then it works because, but he still sounds like tired and uninterested even in the second half of the film when he's super powered. True. But, and then also with Morbius, you know, he's supposed to be an anti-hero. He's supposed to be morally ambiguous, but at no point, yes, on that, boat he kills the mercenaries as his first transformation into morbius but then after that everything morbius does is completely heroic he doesn't do a single thing that's bad or questionable and how is he supposed to be a villain now to spider-man what's his what's his reason and motivation to want to fight spider-man because it's intriguing it's intriguing (laughs) oh yeah that sounds awesome bro for a guy who spent his life curing people let's go beat up a teenager (laughs) it sounds like a blast why not so i had a big problem with um martin's character 
Now, she's a great actress, and she did a very good job, but it's the writing that really ruined it because her character is all over the place, this Dr. Martine. Because at first, the first time we, the first scene we see with her, with her, she's like super angry at Michael Ford using this crazy experimental techniques of um, comb- splicing the genes of humans and bats together, which is illegal. And she's like, I can't believe you're doing this. Like, and then, and then she's like, How did I not? And then she know she didn't know about it. But then in his giant lab, he has a huge friggin' tank of bats <laughs> flying around. And at first, you think, Oh, it must be like a secret area. No one else can see it. That's why she didn't know. Even though they work together, this is why she didn't know about the bats that he's been testing. This he's on bat seventy seven. Let alone the bats that are in the yeah, fridge too. It's bat seventy seven. So she didn't know about this for this long. And then, so I'm like, maybe it's a secret facility that he's using. And then I kid you not, like, they show the other side of his office, and it's all floor-to-ceiling windows. And then a random doctor walks by in the background. <laughs> like, Martin, how did you not know about the bats? He literally it makes no sense. He pulls out a bat out of the fridge yeah. in that scene too that's to slice open. It's like you didn't you didn't it's not it's next to your Red Bull, Martin. There's yeah. a bat. <laughs> how did Martin not know this? It makes no sense. And then she's so angry with him, and then it works, and then she's like, All right, let's go. And then the next scene is they're on the container ship in international waters, and she's like helping him in this illegal activity, breaking the law overseas, like helping him in his experiment. And it makes no sense. Her character was just like completely did a 180, then another 180, and then another 180. And then to keep her from telling the police it was Michael, they put her in a coma for like, it seems like two weeks or so for no reason, just other than that they couldn't figure out a way to have her in the movie without explaining why Mike, who was really on the container ship. Let's talk about the container ship because oh, yeah. this entire sequence makes zero sense at all. I understand that they want to conduct this experimental illegal action. You know, they, they're going to give him the uh, bat human serum, which is obviously unethical and they have to go to international waters. I get that interesting you know that makes total sense and then milo his rich friend and funder is the one who set it all up so then they're on this giant like cargo ship and there are just mercenaries with guns that are running it like what is going on like i understand like milo likes to have thugs i guess around for some reason like he's got like these russian thugs but like why are all these guys with guns here like when one of them goes to check on them, he's, he goes with a gun cocked, like, in his hand, like, pointing at Martine, basically. He's like, I'm going to go check on the doctor. And he talks to her like she's a, like, horrible, horrible way. He's like, oh, you're, you're, you're just, just a help. You're a nurse. All right, whatever, whatever, nurse. Whatever, nurse. Like, shut up, like, nurse. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Then, they, then she gets pushed to the ground. Like, what is going on? But, like, it just makes no sense. Why are there, like, eight mercenaries on this cargo ship just, like, guarding this experiment? I'll tell you why. Because then we don't feel bad about Michael killing people. True. That's what it is. It's so that – because when Michael becomes a vampire Morbius, he kills all these mercenaries. That way we don't feel like he did anything wrong because he's killing just – thugs and, and it like, looks good in the trailer scum and it, they needed the action scene because they needed guns because there's no action in this movie that's very good and so they did it's it's just a cheap way to do this but it makes no sense that like there's no one else helping with the medical i'm sure you can find people with medical experience who would do it under the table like come on yeah i'm sure yeah, milo has connections i don't think you have to go to international yeah. waters and and also you could just like do it at the lab yeah and then and then <laughs> the, the writers just like i don't know what they were doing like because they just wrote wrote themselves in a hole and had no, didn't even try to get themselves out of it logically. Because Martine gets 
pushed to the ground and then she's in a coma for two weeks so she can't tell the police who was on the cargo ship with her and then, and then when she, she forgets then when she wakes up she's like oh i don't know who was on the cargo ship with me i don't remember a lot about that day they ask her one question she goes i don't remember much about that day and then they're like okay she's good she should ha- be handcuffed to the hospital <laughs> yeah, bed she's a criminal. how is marty not handcuffed to the hospital bed there's 12 dead dudes on this ship that she was on yeah like she should be cuffed. they ask her one question and then they're like okay she passes see you later we believe you <laughs> these <laughs> are the worst cops <laughs> We know they're, they're agents, agents. <laughs> and then also so the the agents their problem because michael he he bounced he jumped off the ship and swam to new york and so the ship was just the dead mercenaries and martine and then the and then before michael left he called um a mayday call so that pe- they would get rescued and so the cops sh- the cops and the agents show up and they don't know anything about the cargo ship like there's no one driving the ship like there's no no one that is operating this ship is just the four, the six mercenaries dead inside. Like nobody was driving this thing. Also, how do they not know where the ship came from? Who who has the ship? It's Milo's ship, or maybe he rented it. Like there's no paper trail to anyone for the ship being out here at all. It's just it's so ridiculous. And and then they're like they're like suspicious of Michael Morbius, but like they don't they aren't suspicious. I don't I don't understand. Like and it just makes no sense that like. Not a single bit of information was taken from this gigantic cargo ship crime scene. And the agents were agents. <laughs> we're in charge of every investigation, even in the ocean. We're in charge of this They're investigation. They're like, you work with Michael Morbius a lot, don't you, Martin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you work at the lab, right? Thought so. See you later. <laughs> That's all. That's it. <laughs> Oh, don't worry. You were found next to ten dead bodies, but it's cool. We're done. You don't know. You don't remember much from that night. We understand. <laughs> free to go. How is she free to go? Also, this movie—it's about vampires sucking blood out of people. There's literally no blood in this movie. There's hardly any blood. There's one shot of blood, and it's barely. on a shirt. It's barely. That's it's it. Jared Harris's character gets sliced by Milo as a vampire. It's not even red. It's like black blood. Yeah. Because I, I, don't, I don't think they want to show blood at all in this movie. There's like a little bit of blood kind of on Jared Leto's lips. Some, sometimes a little bit. The most blood you really see is when uh, Martine cuts her finger on the cat food can. Yeah. There's, there's literally no goddamn blood There's in more movie. blood in Moon Knight, and that's on Disney+. Plus. And I'm not counting the blood in the packets. That's, that that's, doesn't count. That doesn't count. I'm yeah. talking blood and gore. So... Sony, I feel like, I don't know if they had like a, a harder cut version of this, but they made this. No, they totally did. They made this such a family-friendly vampire movie. Like, it makes. Why would you do that? Where's the blood? Where's there, the Where's the gore in action? There are multiple shots where there should have been gore. So, like, because uh, Michael and Milo, aside from the fangs, they get long claws and large hands, and they can slash people. Kapama basketball. Yeah, there's <laughs> no problem. Good <laughs> dunk it. <laughs> Knees over toes, guy. But um, there's a couple of shots, multiple shots of. Either both of them slashing at other people. So there's a shot of him slashing at Jared Harris's stomach, Milo, and then there's a shot on the container ship where Michael, as Morbius, slashes one of the mercenaries' necks, and then the camera holds on the on the mercenary as as um Michael runs off, and you can tell they filmed it so that there would be blood splatter, and you would see some kind of gore. But instead, you just there's this awkward shot. I kid you not, it's two seconds of the mercenary like. Holding his neck and there's no blood anywhere. No, he, he's like, oh, he slashed my neck. Oh no! And then there's no blood, and I was like, oh my god, this is ridiculous. It's kind of like what Disney's doing when they've been adding their shows into Disney Plus recently, where they're re-editing sequences and eliminating blood, eliminating gore, eliminating like intense action sequences like that, like the Winter Soldier, uh, Falcon, the Winter Soldier. A, a pipe is supposed to go through somebody's shoulder, but now it just bounces 
is off. There's another shot where there's someone supposed to be covered in blood. There's no blood in them at all now. So I don't know why they I, I, they want to make it like a kid friendly vampire movie. That's just the route they're going. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure because it was it didn't feel friendly at all. It just felt like sour and grim the whole time. But not but it it's, it had a weird tone where it also felt like a crappy rom com. Yeah, it felt like a bad rom-com. romance in it. If that's what it felt like, they're like at like all these cheesy jokes yeah, and, and one liners. And then they're in the cafe, and Martine's like, "So how does it feel?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, what the fuck?" And then on the roof, he's like, "Close your eyes." No, oh yeah, the kiss. Come, come closer. <laughs> and then they just kiss. It's like, okay. I thought they were gonna do. I thought he was gonna do like some special power. He just takes her hand and kisses her. And you know what this movie really felt? It felt like three hours long, even though it's an hour forty four. It felt like it wouldn't end. That's just, like, how bad the pacing was. And also, like, the script has had no logic because what's happening is Michael's trying to survive off artificial blood, and it keeps him, it keeps his symptoms away for first at six hours, and then it keeps, keeps them away for four hours. Well, so it, it gives him the powers. It's just not as strong as he could be on the yeah. red, on yeah, the yeah, blood. Yeah, yeah, but what I'm saying is it keeps his symptoms at bay for four hours. Well, I would say the symptoms of dying, like, yeah, like yeah. defined symptoms. The symptoms of of. Um, dying, yeah, yeah, yeah. symptoms, so, yeah. yeah, of like when his body falls apart, yeah, those symptoms. Okay, yeah, symptoms. <laughs> symptoms, so, up, bro. Just, just, just let me talk. <laughs> so he, it's about four hours. He gets to where the symptoms begin showing up, and he needs to have more blood again. And what happens is there's that terrible chase in the building, and then the agent, agent Tyrese, catches him, flies up the stairs, flies as well. up the staircase as well. I guess he's a vampire too. And yeah, then, I, w- I went to the bathroom right when he caught him. Yeah, I'm so, like, all right, so I'm you, good. I'm you good. missed this part. And so what happens is it cuts to Morbius. He's in his orange jumpsuit in a prison cell, and it looks like he's been there for a while. And then he's being interrogated by the agents. And then he's like, he's like, oh, I'm getting hungry. And it's like, bro, how long has it been? You were on a skyscraper across the city. They they took you down the skyscraper, drove you to the prison, got you into new clothes, gave you a prison cell. Processed you processed to process a new inmate. It takes hours. Then you chilled in your cell, and then you were interrogated by the agents, and it hasn't been four hours? Are you kidding me? <laughs> it makes no sense. Also, then Milo visits him, and when Milo leaves, he leaves his cane just to mess with him, just to let him know, like, yeah. I'm a vampire too, which is why I even tell him, why not just go keep killing people? He wanted him to be with him. I know. And then he leaves a blood bag for him, a bag of blood. How do you get that in? How do you get that into the prison? He just pulls it out of his... It's not like he hit it, like, up his butt. <laughs> he just... Has, it's big, too. He has a this giant big. bag of blood in his front pocket. <laughs> Nobody checked your pockets. You're the lawyer. Lawyers go through security checks in prison. Yeah, they have to get patted down and go through... Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. He just drops a giant bag of blood. And speaking of Milo, they they stole his character, his villain... From Park Chin Wook's great vampire film Thirst. So if you want to watch a real vampire movie, I'm gonna tonight. I watch to. Thirst. It's amazing. It's Park Chin Wook. He just is one of the best filmmakers alive. It's gory. It's funny. It's ridiculous. It's a lot of fun, and it's a great, great vampire film. It might be the it might be the best vampire film ever. It could be. And the thing with Milo, he could, oh, I'm not. I'm, I'm not sorry. Done. Getting to my point. He just doesn't let me talk today. PowerPoint <laughs> points. And so the villain of Thirst is what they did with this villain because the villain it's not a spoiler it's in the trailer um the guy who becomes a vampire accidentally he turns the woman he loves and then she becomes a villain who's like bloodthirsty and power hungry and loves being a vampire and that's what they did with milo in this film it's, they did the exact same thing from this great vampire film and we're like nobody's gonna notice it's a south korean horror film that nobody's seen so yeah we're gonna put it in our movie and make milo the exact same thing this guy who's innocent and seems like a very decent guy 
obviously he's very narcissistic and stuff, but he seems like a very good friend to Michael. But then when he gets blood and, he be, and then when he turns into a vampire, he just goes full villain mode. That's what happens in that movie too. So they just ripped that movie off. Yeah, it sounds like they did. And again, Milo could have been a great villain. I just ended up not caring for him as a villain. And I didn't feel like he wasn't going to lose at the end of the movie. I didn't feel like Michael Morbius wasn't going to come out the hero at the end and beat and defeat Milo. I never felt that once at all. There's, It just felt like there were no stakes at all. And also the ending, I was so... Ironic, con- that, that was funny, <laughs> that was unintended. Good one. I was confused about the ending because Michael set it up so that he had two poisons, two poison containers, one for Milo and one for him. And he told Martine, like, he basically said, I'm going to kill myself because... Uh, someone needs to end so this. it needs to end and then he kills milo and then he just flies away morbius is like wait i thought you were gonna kill yourself i thought you were gonna end this <laughs> I forgot about that what happened to that <laughs> are you just like are you just not gonna do it now i i don't understand it's not like he it's not like i understand if there was a transformation like oh i could use this for good or whatever but he just we just never we just never addressed that second canister again and then Martine's death was terrible. It was terrible. It was like she's dying on a rooftop. He goes to her after he somehow heard her voice within New York. And then she's like, I guess, bleeding out. They, you couldn't really tell what her injury was. It looked like a neck wound or something from Milo. Well, it looks like he sliced her throat with, yeah. his, with his claw. Yeah. And then he, she bit his lip and then drank his blood. Then at the end yeah. of the film, her eyes turned vampire, so she's going to come back. But it was just awkward because she's like, make it count. And then she, what she's saying is drink all my blood and make it count. And it was like, oh my god, this is so bad. They had these like hero shots, but they just didn't look good or feel like a hero or anything interesting at all. And it just didn't, when the movie was over, I was like, ah, what just happened? What just happened? Also, why are police officers kicking doors down? That's not what police officers (laughs) do. That's what SWAT does in tactical teams. They're like officers just kicking doors down. Yeah, like, just a patrolman. Like, with their agents. Again, what goddamn agency is this? No one can oh, tell Laura. you. Laura. Again, we hate being mean to movies. We don't do it seldom. But like we like we said, we're doing it for this movie because we're doing you're going to call a spade a spade. And it's Sony Pictures. It's Columbia. This is high-class, supposedly. This is supposed to be high-class filmmaking, the best filmmaking out there. You know, it's supposed to be incredible. We got Spider-Man 1 and 2 from this studio. You know, arguably the best Spider-Man movie ever. Spider-Man 2 was made by Sony. And this is what they're giving us now. And not to say that, like, Venom's great or those other movies, those other recent ones are amazing. But I actually enjoyed I think Let There Be Venom, Let There Be Carnage was pretty good. I like that movie. I gotta be honest, I didn't I didn't really like any of them. We should have a debate on that. Of Let There Be Carnage? Yeah, we should. All right. I, I had a blast watching that movie. I honestly didn't. I They're funny, but I never really liked any of the Venom movies. But man, I think I don't know what they're doing with their superheroes. I don't know who's in charge of the superhero story building and the the department. But you can just tell the difference between the storytelling and Marvel. Even if you like, you aren't the biggest fan of Marvel. You know they are going to do a solid job and treat their characters with a lot of respect and do their best to try and make, uh, if not even if if it's not a great movie, to try and make it entertaining at the very least. Yeah, I mean we're holding them to a standard here, and like we we don't want just like every studio like this just to like shuffle out and push out this yeah. these movies that like they know they're gonna make money it doesn't even matter to them like how good the stories are anymore like that's what it feels like I, we forgot one more scene that is probably the most ridiculous part of the movie is uh dr nichols death jared harris's death oh, so, oh my god so what happens is so milo he um he he he, he fatally wounds dr nichols and he does this by slashing him in the stomach and then and then nichols collapses inside milo's apartment like unable to get up or help himself and then milo leaves him to bleed out and then 
what does Dr. Nichols do? He calls Michael, who's across New York City in like Brooklyn, and he's like, Michael, it was Milo. Uh, and he's like, and Michael's like, oh, I gotta get to him. So Michael travels across New York City and goes to Dr. Nichols, finds him in Milo's apartment. The sun has set. The now. sun has set. It's, it's been, been like at least an hour, at least. And then Dr. Nichols is just barely hanging on for life. Like he's almost all bled out. And then Michael goes to him and he's like, Oh, I should have called an ambulance. And I, I was like, wait, did he say that? Yeah. Wait, he said, I need, you know, he says, I gotta, we need, I need to get you an ambulance is what he says. That's what he said. So he, he, he tells him, I need to get you an ambulance. And then Nichols is like, it's too late. Stop. You must stop him. And I was like, wait, hold on a second. So Dr. Nichols bleeding out for over an hour in this apartment. He does not call 911 or an ambulance. Instead, he calls Michael and waits for Michael to show up and over an hour later and allows himself to bleed out that entire time. And Michael, knowing that Dr. Nichols is in danger, doesn't think to call an ambulance either. It was it was the most ridiculous thing I've seen in a very long time in, in a movie. It was unbelievably stupid. Yeah, man. A lot of this stuff doesn't make sense. <laughs> a lot of this movie is just... Only a budget of 75 mil, so they know they're going to make their money back. That's oh, yeah. the thing. They know. And it's too bad. Um, That's what I'm sad. That's what I think the problem was. Like they didn't approach it with passion or really a strong investment to show like their their belief in making a great character movie. You know what I mean? So, uh, what is your rating for Morbius out of ten? I'm giving Morbius a two point five out of ten. I'm giving it two point five too. Two point five out of ten. Again, I felt nothing watching this. <laughs> I felt literally nothing. I gave it a one star in Letterboxd because I couldn't give it any lower that's, than one. That's fair. You yeah. know. It's unfortunate, you know. I hope, hopefully, they can turn things around. But again, they've just left nothing but confusion on the table for the future of the. Hold on, the future of the Sony Pictures universe of Marvel characters, which is a mouthful. <laughs> the SPUMC. <laughs> <laughs> We're just confused. What's happening next? I mean, I don't really appreciate the trailer bait and switch. Obviously, Marvel and the MCU they do like put things in the trailer that aren't necessarily in the movie, but they don't put entire characters in trailers. They just mix up dialogue to like steer you in the wrong direction mentally, but they I, don't put Michael Keaton in yeah. a trailer to make it seem like he's a villain. I just hope it's not involved with uh, the new Spider-Man movies I'm, at all. I'm hoping because really you know hope. Tom Holland's like, wait, like he's getting called by Sony soon. He's probably like, oh hey guys, it's like the meme of Homer Simpson going back <laughs> into the bushes, like, Ugh. or it's like Michael Scott, no, 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 please God, no, no. Hey Tom, we're gonna do Sinister Six versus you and Sp- uh, Tom. Tom, where where do you go? Where's Tom? Oh, I was wrong. David Tennant isn't Jessica Jones. That's right. Oh, he's the villain, yeah. He's the purple man. But apparently he's a good villain. So I said bad. All right, so yeah. he's the second Doctor to be a bad, in, a bad, bad. in a bad MCU movie. Yeah. Because Jessica Jones is pretty good. All right, that wraps our episode on Morbius. Morbius. whatever you want to call it. Morbidious. Um, yeah, I mean, if you like this movie, please don't take what we said too harshly. If you enjoyed the movie, you enjoy it. We hope we were glad you did enjoy it. If you didn't like it, then you didn't like it. I hope you at least enjoyed the popcorn you had. Yeah, and we had fun talking about it. Uh, we had more fun talking about it than I did watching it. It was it was a good time. But that's it for Morbius. Hopefully, they figure something out because man, they gotta they gotta bounce back somehow from that. But thanks for tuning in around the world. Become a patron at Patreon.com/slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Take care, everyone. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.